It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I'm your host, as always, Zach Hicks. You can find my work on Breaking Football and the Breaking the Draft podcast with my co-host, Jonathan Valencia. I am joined today by Jordan Reed, J. Reed Draft Scout on Twitter. Guys, go follow him. He is one of my favorite follows on Twitter. He hosts the Climb the Pocket podcast. So, guys, go check that out. But how's it going, uh, Jordan? Great, man. A little under the weather, but, you know, we toughen it out. Everything's good, but thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. So, uh, we are going to be going over our Combine review because... I mean, the Combine is a huge event here in the draft world. I mean, I don't know why, but just seeing these guys run around in those short, tight shorts, I mean, we all love it for some reason. I don't really know why. We value it over tape at times. I've seen people saying, you know, Calvin Ridley is not a top 10 player, or even a first-round player anymore. I've seen Calvin Ridley, you know, he's a seventh percentile athlete. He's He is a second-rounder, in our opinion, and stuff like that. Just crazy talk coming out of the Combine. So, for some reason, we value the Underwear Olympics like crazy. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first off, two big trades here in the NFL. Michael Bennett traded to the Eagles for a fifth round pick and a receiver who I don't even know his name. I'm not even going to look it up. And Michael Bennett, along with a seventh round pick, was traded for a fifth round pick. And then Alec Ogletree was traded for a fourth and a sixth to the Giants from the Rams. So first off, Michael Bennett trade. JR, do you have any thoughts on this Michael Bennett trade here? Yeah, man. I've become a big fan of Howie Roseman. Yeah. We don't really see a lot of NFL trades uh, throughout the season or throughout the offseason, really. But Howie Roseman has really made a living off of getting veterans through trades. We saw it with Jay Ajayi, Timmy Jernigan, and Ronald Darby. And now we see it with Michael Bennett. And I think that's just a fantastic pickup for them because now he can basically replace Vinnie Curry. They'll probably shop him now. His cap number is a bit higher than what Michael Bennett is, but Michael Bennett is obviously a better player very durable he's played 16 games the last four out of five seasons i believe so but i think he was a fantastic addition to that team and we all know how deep their defensive line is and that's really what won them the super bowl how deep that defensive line was and just adding a guy like michael bennett was just a great pickup for them i have said it's not like the best trade in my opinion but only because i don't like michael bennett too much of his player but i mean if we're just talking about the on-field player that you're getting out of michael bennett I mean, it, it's a big win for the Eagles, and they only boost an already dominant front four that they have there in Philly. Now, I think this does spell the end probably for Curry in Philadelphia, and likely Brandon Graham too. We don't know what's going on with that, but Brandon Graham might be shopped as well just because they are $15 million over right now in the cap space, so there's going to be a lot of changes there just to get back under. But again, I mean, you're getting Michael Bennett along with Fletcher Cox, uh, Derek Barnett, Chris Long. I mean, there, there's a lot of good players there. So, I mean, the Eagles... You know, the, the 
what's it? The rich get richer. I mean, that's that's all you can really say about the Eagles there. Now let's talk about the other trade real quick before we get into our combine uh, pre or review here. Uh, Alec Ogletree to the Giants for a fourth and a sixth. Now Ogletree has a ten million dollar cap hit this year, and the Giants are already kind of you know have a lot of bad contracts. They are I think they're they have twenty million dollars in space, but they want to make some other moves. What do you think about this Alec Ogletree trade? I thought the Rams. I thought they fleeced the Rams, in my opinion. I thought oh. the Giants, excuse me, I thought the Rams fleeced the oh, Giants. Okay. We've seen that Dave Gettleman puts a huge emphasis on the linebacking core. We saw that in Carolina when he drafted guys like Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson. So he obviously values linebackers when building a team and getting a guy like Ogletree. Obviously, he's not those guys' caliber. But I thought it was interesting that the Rams got rid of him so quickly after signing that long-term extension that he did. It's only been five or six months since he signed that extension, and they got rid of him fairly quickly. Now, he hasn't been the same player that he was a couple years ago, uh, the past few seasons. Uh, he had a high tackle total. I believe it was two years ago where he had like 130-something tackles. So he's been productive in his career, but his numbers have been kind of low the past few years. And I thought the Rams did a fantastic job of getting value for him. Yeah, I mean, the Rams, I think, definitely did their best here. They get, you know, a fourth and a sixth from a player that they were probably going to cut or or just trade for almost anything at this point because they have to make a lot of room. They need to make room for Aaron Donald. Uh, they have to make room for LaMarcus Joyner, who I believe was franchise tag the other day. Uh, they still want to bring back Sammy Watkins. So they, they have a lot of space that they need to create, and getting rid of a guy like Alec Ogletree and picking up some good draft capital, big win for the Rams. Now, from the Giants' perspective, I don't really understand this trade too much. Ogletree is a good linebacker, uh, but, I mean, he's not he's nowhere near like a difference maker on a defense. And if this hinders their ability to go out there and get an offensive lineman or retain like a guy like Justin Pugh or, or Weston Richburg, I, I think it hurts their team more than it helps them. So honestly, I, I didn't see both these trades as great trades. Again, just because Michael Bennett, I, I don't like what I'm getting out of Michael Bennett. But by far and away, the the uh, Eagles won, were better with their trade than what the Giants were with theirs, in my opinion. But let's kind of move on from the trade talks here. I know this is a Redskins podcast, but it is draft time. So we're going to talk about the combine here. Now, let's start with the quarterbacks here. Uh, a lot of people are saying Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen were the big winners. Uh, in your eyes, who was the big winner of the quarterback position at the Combine? Yeah, I would agree with Baker Mayfield. I think he was the biggest winner of the day because I love that he came out and just was slinging the ball. I know how big of a competitive nature or a competitive fire that Baker Mayfield has. So that was really expected of him. But still to see him come out and be very accurate, and just come out and just throw the ball around really well. That was really good to see. I, I'm kind of low on Josh Allen as far as his day and how he performed. Um, I thought he kind of was being a bit of a show-off with his arm. <laughs> and he wasn't really going through what he really needed to show. Um, his drops were really delayed. He wasn't really anticipating on his throws. And he was really just waiting to guys, especially on the go balls. He was waiting for guys to get 60 or 70 yards down the field and just slinging it. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, going through his five or seven step drops, whatever they were taking, and just getting the ball out as soon as he hit the top of his drop. So I thought he was being a bit of a show off with his arm, uh, which is expected. I mean, he has a very strong arm. He wants to show that off, but you still want to see him stay on script and throw those throws that he was capable of throwing. So I wasn't really high on Josh Allen's day. Uh, as high as I was on Baker Mayfield's day, I thought Baker Mayfield was clearly the biggest winner out of the quarterback group. Yeah, I would agree with that. Baker Mayfield did look the best. I did like Josh Allen, how he he looked a little more accurate here. But again, it's a very controlled setting. So 
I mean, yeah. most quarterbacks should look accurate in the very controlled setting of the combine or their pro days. I think Teddy Bridgewater, uh, at his pro day a couple years ago, I remember people were freaking out because he threw like nine incompletions out of 70 passes or something. So, I mean, we in these controlled environments, quarterbacks should be extremely accurate. But those two guys, I think, showed the best. I mean, I think Josh Allen wasn't uh, as good as Baker Mayfield, but Josh Allen did show some good things. Uh, Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson, though, a lot of people were down on their days. How are you on them? I thought Rosen was a bit inaccurate, especially throwing the out routes. Uh, but the go balls were beautiful, and that's what you see on this tape. He throws go balls really well. Uh, it's just it's beautiful to watch when the ball is in the air. Uh, like I said, when they were throwing the deep outs, he was extremely inaccurate on those. And he just looked bit, a bit nervous. Uh, yeah. But he started to calm down as the day went along. And, I mean, we all know what Josh Rosen is capable of. We know he's the prototypical pocket passer, and you know if there was a definition of quarterback mechanics in the dic- in the dictionary, his picture would be right there. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, I thought he was very up and down. He looked like he was aiming a bit too much when throwing the ball. He was just trying to be a little bit too perfect on throws, but we did see the mechanical flaws. The same, mm-hmm. it matched up with the tape as far yep. as throwing throws outside of the numbers. That's where he really struggled, and that's where his inaccuracies showed up. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I think Josh Rosen did struggle a little bit throwing, but honestly, I didn't need to see much from him throwing because I know he can throw the ball at a high level, so I didn't really care too much about that. I think the thing that really uh, looked good for him was all the interviews. You know, you, you hear a lot of reports saying that he knocked all his interviews out of the park. Uh, he looked good in the ones that we were able to see, like the press interviews and stuff like that. So Josh Allen, with all those weird off-field concerns that, again, I have no access to and I don't know what those off-field concerns are, I think he might have just proved some doubters wrong with that. And yeah, Lamar Jackson, again, it, it did look a little bit like he was aiming the ball. It looked a lot like his tape. And you're like, you're completely right. Uh, when he's not running the ball, when he's not running around, excuse me, when he's not running around, he, he needs to make those throws in the pocket. And he just, you know, those deep out routes, he, he definitely struggled on, just like you see on tape. So those were definitely things that stand, stood out to me. Uh, my last little note for quarterbacks that I actually wrote down was uh, the arm talent that you could see between guys like, like uh, who do I have here, Chase Litton. And Kirk Benkirk, you can see their arm talent compared to guys like uh, Kyle Laletta and Logan Woodside. Did you make any note of that at all, or or any notices there? Yeah, absolutely. You can see the discrepancies between the two because the ball just jumps out of guys' hands. You know, mm-hmm. like Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, obviously, and Rosen was up and down, but when he threw some really nice balls, it really jumped out of his hand. Yeah. But you see guys like Laletta and Benkirk, and even a guy like Mason Rudolph, the ball didn't really jump. Yeah. out of their hands like those other top tier guys that we see in this class yeah definitely and a guy like Lalletta for instance I was huge on going into this and I really I still do like Lalletta a lot as a prospect but seeing kind of the ball flutter out of his hands like that against other top guys who are making you know better throws here and there it, it definitely did draw some concerns but overall did these quarterbacks at all did they change your rankings at all did your rankings stay the same with the quarterback group I see I saw what I needed to see yeah just to see what matched up with the tape. Now, I don't put a lot of weight into these throws at the combine, obviously, but I use it to see guys' throwing motion, their footwork, things of that sort, not necessarily how the ball you know, comes out of their hands uh, because we all know in a controlled environment they're supposed to succeed in these environments. But just for example, like we alluded to earlier, a guy like Lamar Jackson struggled on those throws outside of the numbers at the combine, which matches up with his tape and another guy for example like Mason Rudolph when they were throwing the deep go balls we saw that he was very inaccurate and left the ball really hanging 
in the air, and that really matches up with this tape because what we saw was James Washington and Marcel Aitman were able to bail him out a lot of times yeah. on those inaccurate deep balls. So the tape really matches up with, with what I saw at the combine. Yeah, completely agree with you on all um, all fronts there for sure. Now let's let's jump over to running back now. You know, the big glare position, the position that we are all looking at when it comes to combine, and Saquon Barkley, did he cement himself as like the number one overall prospect in this draft, or at least as a top three pick in this draft for sure? I mean, Saquon Barkley, what can you say about this guy? He's just a machine, man. Yeah. Everything looked effortless when he was out there, from the drills to the 40, the vertical, the broad jump, he's just a very explosive athlete, very gifted. And when guys make things look effortless, that's when you know they're an elite prospect. And from the on-field drills to, you know, just seeing him catch the ball, go through the bags, stuff like that, it, everything just looked effortless. And I think he's definitely a top three guy in this class, along with Quentin Nelson and Bradley Chubb, who are my top three prospects right now. But I don't want to say he's going to be a top five pick because we all know the value of running backs yeah. isn't necessarily high in the first round, but I really wouldn't have a problem with the team taking him that high because of how good he really is. Yeah, man. I mean, Saquon Barkley, my thing is, like, what he did at the Combine didn't change his grade at all for me because I expected this. Maybe not to the level of domination he showed at the Combine, but I expected him to be not only like the best athlete there but like a top performer in every single drill he he was in so that stuff did not shock me whatsoever uh did Naheem Hines at all shock you as the fastest 40 time not at all I mean the one thing you see on his tape or the thing that pops out on tape is his explosiveness we've seen him running those inside zone runs and taking them 60 and 70 yards from time to time so you know him running I believe it was a 438 Yes, uh, four three eight. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what he ran. Yep, four three eight. It didn't really, it didn't really surprise me at all because he's shown that home run ability and that home run explosiveness or speed on tape. So I was really, you know, I wouldn't want to say surprised. <laughs> don't quote me on that, but <laughs> I was, re- it was really good to see the tape match up with his actual speed at the combine. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh quickly go over some other guys who stood out here with the running back position. Kalen Balaz ran a four four six at his size. That's a that's very good time for him. Rashad Penny also ran a 4.46. And then some other good athletes here. I mean, Chase Edmonds with his uh, three-cone time. I have it right here. Chase Edmonds ran the three-cone at the best at 6.79. So that was super impressive as well. Nice. And then uh, last guy I want to mention here because everyone's, you know, everyone loves this guy. I'm a little down, but I still think he's going to be a starter in the NFL for a long time. Is Nick Chubb, who ran a 4.52, benched 29 times, and also had a vertical of, I have right here, 38.5. So, man, Nick Chubb really helped himself at the combine. I didn't have any questions about how it was going to test. Yeah. Because coming into Georgia, even before the leg injury, he was phenomenal as far as testing. His spark tests were off the charts coming into Georgia. Now, the biggest question I had or I wanted to see from Nick Chubb is if he could catch coming out of the backfield because he really didn't get a lot of opportunities because he was in a running back by committee mm-hmm. at Georgia with Sonny Michelle and DeAndre Swift. He didn't get a lot of opportunities on third down to catch the ball. He didn't have a lot of career catches at Georgia. So I wanted to see if he could catch the ball naturally, and I'm with you. I think Nick Chubb, I think he can be a starting running back right away. And he's a prospect, but I think he's ready-made to go from day one as soon as he hears his name on draft day. Yeah, Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There's no doubt in my mind he'll be a starter in the NFL for eight to ten years. I mean, he's that good. Bearing injuries, obviously, but Nick Chubb is a very good prospect, and I would not be shocked if he goes you know, early day two because that's that's exactly where I see him going. Uh, last running back here to talk about is Mark Walton, you know, a guy that a lot of people are really high on but had a really poor combine, ran a 4'6". I don't think he jumped very high uh, or was even that quick in the three-cone. Uh, are you a fan of Mark Walton? Yeah, I actually like Mark Walton. Um, I didn't expect him to run as slow as he did, yeah. but I thought he would be a low 4'5 guy, but I don't think he really looked healthy to me. Yeah. We all, we all know that he had the ankle injury, but he still looked a bit slow. Uh, I don't think we saw that same explosiveness. Now, he's definitely a more quicker than fast guy. I wasn't really expecting a fast straight line time, but I didn't expect him to run a 4-6. But even in the cutting drills, when the running backs were cutting off the off the bags and the agility cones, he just didn't look explosive like we no. saw on tape at Miami. You know, stay on the tape with that guy. I mean, he looks great on tape, and he's been, you know, and he hasn't been healthy at all this year. So I'm not too worried about Mark Walton. I'm a big fan of his. He's still a top 10 back in this class for me. So I'm not, again, not too worried about that right there. Another kind of instance where it's like the combine's great and all, but as long as they hit minimum thresholds and you can see with your eyes how they're running, how they're moving, I'm okay with it. So let's move to receiver now. The number one performer as a receiver, a guy who I'm not shocked at, but a lot of people were. I actually predicted he would run a 4-3-6. People called me crazy. And he came out and ran a 4-3-4. DJ Chark. I mean, we see it on tape, but 4-3-4, seeing that number right there. Wow. Right, man? Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome, man. You know, he's a guy that I didn't really get to study much prior to the combine because LSU quarterbacks just rubbed yeah. me the wrong way. I just hate watching them because we're, <laughs> never, we're never able to see them. Uh, you know, utilize these weapons that they have on the perimeter. We saw it with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and guys like that. And DJ Chark is just the next LSU receiver in line to really come out of nowhere because LSU quarterback play is just below average, so they're never really able to get the ball. Now, we did see flashes of DJ Chark from time to time, and he was really good at the senior bowl as well from what I remember. So his stock is really on the upswing, and it was really good to see him have a good combine as well. And I think he's a guy that definitely could go in the second or third round as that deep threat to a wide receiver core that can take the top off the defense. Yeah, 100%. And I'm actually going to ask you a question now that kind of goes with what you just said now. First round, late first round, DJ Chark goes late first round, say Eagles, Patriots, uh, any of those teams there. Would that shock you at all? No, it actually wouldn't, especially a team like the Eagles that has a very well-rounded wide receiver core. And I think he would be a great fit for the Eagles because they're expected to lose a guy like Torrey Smith. Yeah. And we all know Torrey Smith is their deep threat right now. So insert DJ Chark instead of or in place of Torrey Smith, I think that would be a great fit for the Eagles. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk about the other two big standouts at receiver. One of them is DJ Moore, who came in at six foot, which was shocking to me because I see him anywhere. I saw him all around other sites kind of like listed at 5'9", 5'10", 5'11". So coming in at six foot, I think that was the biggest win for him. But also running a 4'4'2", looking good in the agility drills, looking great running routes. I mean, DJ Moore, what can you say about this guy? Oh, man, I love his film, and yeah. I'm with you. I thought he would probably be around 5'10", 5'10.5-ish yep. range. I did not expect him to be six foot 200 pounds at all, and that really shocked a lot of people. Uh, I expected him to test really well because he shows on film. He shows his speed on film. 
he shows the breakaway ability to uh, get away and create separation from defenders as well. So I'm not shocked that he tested so well. I think the height and you know weight factor was what shocked most people. But he's a he's a guy or a receiver whose stock is really soaring right now, and I really like his fit to the Cowboys at 19. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't shy away from making that pick if I was them, especially with Des Bryant being in such limbo. And we've all know what we know what Terrence Williams is capable of at this point. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I completely agree. Even though as a Redskins fan and on a Redskins podcast, we do not want to hear that. We don't want DJ Moore <laughs> going bad, to the Cowboys. <laughs> but let's talk about the other big winner, a guy that you know started off everyone super high on him, and then hype started to fade a little bit, and he still has some supporters here and there, uh, especially with the the Dominator rating type guys, whatever. They are there, but Corlin Sutton, big body guy, runs a six five seven three cone. That's insane, right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Corlin Sutton, he he improved his stock, right? Oh, absolutely, and he's the guy I focused the most on out of this wide receiver group because I had a lot of questions about his speed and could he separate consistently. Now there is some Brandon Marshall comps and a lot of Ashawn Jeffrey comps out there, mm-hmm. and I think he's very similar to both players. Now he's not as fast straight line as Ashawn was. But I think he has a lot of similar traits to Brandon Marshall coming out. Uh, it was really good to see him run that 4-5 because a lot of people were predicting 4-6 or mid-4-6 range. But it was really good to see him come out and run in that 4-5 range. And he answered a lot of speed questions that a lot of evaluators had about him. That may, is going to make me have to go back and like watch his film. Because I wasn't super high on his film, even though... Most of my film study on him did come from 2016 film, so I do have to kind of go back on 2017 anyway. I wasn't that impressed when I watched him. I thought it was just a big body guy you can't really catch that people are crazy about because he's young and gets a lot of production. But he is definitely a guy I need to go back and watch. Let's talk about the big loser, or what people are calling the big loser, the 7th percentile athlete, Calvin Ridley. I mean, he ran fast. He didn't look great in the in the agility drills, like the 20, the 20 uh, shuttle and the three cone, and he didn't jump very high, but... Calvin, really, does this change your grade at all that he's a 7th percentile athlete like some people are freaking out about? It doesn't. I think a lot of people are putting too much stock into it. Now, it was a little bit of a shock that he tested so poorly because he's a guy that shows a lot of quick twitch ability. Obviously, a more quicker than fast guy. He's not a guy that's really going to outrun a whole bunch of people, but he has ways of controlling his body and changing direction very fast and very Mm -hmm. quickly. So, it wasn't shocking that he did run a 4-4. I believe it was, but I didn't expect him to test as poorly as he did, but he's still wide receiver one for me. Now, he never will be a top wide receiver in a wide receiver core in the NFL, but I think he's a guy that can be an upper echelon wide receiver two in a receiver core. Yeah, I love Calvin Ridley. Uh, he's he's wide receiver one all day. Don't overthink this, guys. I mean, come on. He ran – He. I mean, we're not asking him to go up for jump balls. We don't care if he jumps a, a 40-inch vertical. Who cares about that? Who cares if he's not six foot, 220 pounds? I don't care. If he can run past guys, if he shows the speed, shows the quickness, can run great routes, I don't really care. Uh, two other guys I want to talk about here before I move on to tight ends is um, – oh, I had him right here. One second. Christian Kirk and James Washington. Not the greatest combines from these two guys, two guys that people are either really high on or really low on. Uh, what's your take on these guys, and did their combine help them or hurt them at all? Yeah, I thought they were both just okay. Neither one of them really stood out as far as any drills or anything like that. Now, Kirk did run fast. But I think he ran in the 4-4 range as well. But I think he's a guy that's a ready-made slot receiver. <laughs> now, do I think he's ever going to play on the outside? No, I don't. No. Because he's just not big enough to win out there. Uh, but I think he's a guy that can come in and be a really good wide receiver three for a team in the slot, sort of in that Jamison Crowder type role. Um 
now he's never going to be obviously a number one wide receiver in the court, a receiver court. But like I said, I think he can be that wide receiver three in a primary go-to slot or a chain mover on third down. Um, James Washington, I thought it was just okay. Like I said, he didn't really stand out. And his film, I, I like his film actually, but he needs to improve some of the routes in the route tree. We haven't seen him run a plethora of routes or an entire route tree, which isn't really required. He's more of a deep ball specialist guy, yep. but there was a lot of questions about him running those routes in the short to intermediate areas. And I don't think he really did anything to answer those questions. Yeah, my big thing coming the week with James Washington was like in the NFL is your four five four four five six whatever guy going to be a deep threat guy, and I I just don't see that. I I think he's more. I think if he gets his route tree, you know, if he learns the route tree a little better, I think he can be a poor man's garçon. You know, he can be a big physical tough guy who can go across the middle, catch balls in traffic, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's a big strong guy. So, I mean, I I like him in that kind of role. He's he really needs to develop a route tree. So. That's why I'm not very high on him, but I, I mean, I imagine the Redskins are going to be really high on him, guys, so we'll see We'll see come draft time, but let's jump over to tight ends now. Now, there was one super freak tight end who just dominated everything. We thought Barkley dominated stuff, but his Penn State teammate here was just a beast. Mike Jasecki, I mean, 4 5 four, 40, jumped out of the gym, uh, broad jump was crazy, three cone was crazy. I mean, the three cone shocked me the most, Six seven six. Yeah. I mean... Jasicki, I mean, he has to be a day one guy now, right? After all this testing, after, you know, being a, a pretty, pretty good uh, receiving tight end for Penn State the last couple of years. I mean, he's a day one guy now, right? I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. I mean, he tested out of the roof. I did not expect that at all. But he shows a lot of explosive traits on his film. He's a guy that has an outstanding catch radius. We've seen them, you know, just throw, throw the ball up to him. And we've seen him push the ball to him a lot as well. So, his frame worries me a little bit. I was surprised he weighed as much as he did. He really has that skinny, wiry frame. Yeah. He's obviously going to be a receiving tight end. He's never a guy that's going to be an inline blocker because that's just not his strength. But if you just flex him out and use him as a receiver, I would definitely invest a day two pick in him. And I think he'll easily go in the second or third round. Yeah, I could see a team reaching for him in like the late first, maybe like the Jaguars, for instance, a team that has a lot of pieces already, really needs yeah. a tight end. Jaguars, day one, I'm, I'm okay with it if, if they went that route. Uh, honestly, though, this tight end group, besides Jasicki, didn't really do anything notable for me. Hayden Hurst tested as a pretty good athlete, but that was expected off his tape. Mark Andrews tested as a pretty good athlete, but again, expected. Uh, Jalen Samuels, I don't know why he tested with the tight ends. He's like 220. Yeah, yeah. Now, on this, just backing up to Mark Andrews, yeah. I was shocked he ran a four five nine. Yeah, I would have never guessed that because his film—he's—he's he's he's a bit of a lumber mm-hmm. on film, not very fast. So I would have thought he ran in the four sevens, but him running a four five nine really helped his stock. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but besides that, again, there was not many uh, great athletes. The emphasis with this tight end group has always been that it's just a lot of good, solid football players. No one's going to be like a superstar, but you're going to have a lot of like starting caliber tight ends here so we're going to move on to offensive linemen now and you know with most of these offensive line or with most of these position groups so far started with the positive but with offensive line we have to start with the huge negative a guy who I said like two weeks ago I was really high on and I knew he wasn't going to be a great athlete but he couldn't test like this I mean this was historically bad now I know when we make fun of you know Calvin Ridley for a seventh percentile athlete this is a zero percentile athlete right now we're about, we're about to talk about Orlando Brown I mean God, that was a horrible combine. I mean, this this nuked his draft grade, right? Yeah, and, you know, I'm with you. He's a guy I didn't expect, you know, to test out of the world. I thought he would have a 
pretty poor combine, but I didn't expect it to be historically bad. And, you know, I'm with you. I thought his film was pretty good. Yeah. You know, he's a devastating or dominating run blocker. Now, he does have some issues in pass protection against mm-hmm. speed rushers, and I think that's going to be his biggest flaw in the NFL. But he's a guy I had an early second-round grade on coming into the combine, yeah. and I don't think that's going to change very much for me because I'm just going to trust the tape on him uh, because I thought he was going to test poorly at the combine. Yeah. Uh, but he'll probably, he's probably going to end up as a third-rounder on my board so his his grade isn't going to change much but you do have to pay attention to it somewhat because I mean we've never seen an athlete that bad at offensive line I mean the one thing that really bothered me about his combine performance though is I thought he gave up yeah and what I mean by that is the coaches that were running the drills had to get on him about hustling and finishing the drills and that's something that you really don't want to see with prospects and he just looked mentally fatigued or mentally checked out when things went downhill for him so that was one of my biggest concerns outside of the testing results for him yeah i mean i again i was huge i was really high on this guy going into uh the combine i really was like okay this guy is a guy who has a physical traits he can be a dominant lineman in the nfl it's just how good of an athlete is he and i didn't think he was a good athlete whatsoever i thought a lot of it was footwork problems though but I mean, I guess from the combine here, it, he just is a horrible athlete. And and my thing with the combine too, when when I use the combine, I might be a little different from people. I don't know. My my combine usage is if you can hit a minimum threshold and it's not so far off from tape, I'm okay with it. But if you are b- like far below minimum thresholds, like for instance, Antonio Morrison a couple years ago ran a five one forty for a linebacker. Your 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 grade gets nuked for that. Like I can't I can't take you. <laughs> I can't justify drafting you very high if you're running a 5-1 as a linebacker. Another one was kind of a, a Sue of Cravens when the Redskins were actually about to take in. When he ran a, uh, I think he ran like a 4-7-1, and he was yeah. testing as a safety, that's when I was like, okay, I can't take a safety who's running a 4-7-1. And then he bulked up to play linebacker, which was fine. But again, a 4-7-1 safety, a 5-1 linebacker, and what, a 5 you know, whatever, a 25-second 40 that Orlando Brown ran because, I mean, Rich Eisen probably smoked him in this one is what it felt like. I mean, yeah. it, it was terrible. I want to see that. I just want to see Rich Eisen. I think Rich Eisen probably lost to him, but it, it was bad. So, I mean, Orlando Brown nuked his draft grade. For me, he will move down quite a bit. Probably He probably won't be my uh, offensive tackle one anymore just because, again, one, if you don't hit that minimum threshold, I can't keep you where you are. And also – it's just a lack of effort, too. I mean, if you're not putting in the effort to improve when teams know you're already going to be a bad athlete, I mean, why why are you even running at this point? I mean, it, it was just a horrible decision by his agent, horrible decision by him. But, I mean, yeah, he's definitely going to move down for me. But let's talk about some of the standouts here on the offensive line. The first one is the former tight end Brian O'Neill out of Pittsburgh. I mean, 4-8-2 for a tackle. Whew, that is that is moving right there. So he, he tested everything that I thought he'd do, but, it, I mean, it's still impressive. Yeah, it is, and he's a guy that was a former tight end, so he obviously had the athletic traits uh, coming into the combine. Uh, Like I said, he started out as a tight end his first year at Pittsburgh, bulked up, gained about 70 or 80 pounds, and then transitioned him to offensive tackle. So obviously he has those athletic traits or those athletic genes within him, and I expect him to test really well. Now, I do think he still needs to gain a bit of weight because he doesn't really show that devastating power on film, a lot of rushers are able to overpower him in both phases of the game, in the run game and as a pass protector as well. So I think he'd be a nice project to have as a swing tackle yep. or as a backup. 
um, in-house. So him and especially Colton Miller as well. I'm sure we'll get to him here soon as well. So mm-hmm. those are two guys I really would like to see as swing tackles early on in their careers. Yeah, while you bring up Colt Miller, again, he ran really well too, Four nine five. Both of those guys are kind of like the same player for me. They're both just athletic, moldable guys. I think they are day two guys, but the NFL might push them up to day, day one even because they like having those guys. So like Philadelphia, for instance, with their last pick in the first round, they need that swing tackle. They don't need a guy who can come in and start right away because they have Peters and Lane Johnson, but a guy who can just be that swing tackle, can develop behind these guys and has athletic traits. I think those two guys really prove they have those traits, and I think that they really help themselves. Uh, let's move to the big guys, though the guards who lifted like crazy. Will Hernandez, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith. 37 on the bench press for Will Hernandez, 35 for Quentin Nelson, 35 for Braden Smith. I mean, these dudes are beasts. <laughs> yeah, this was by far my favorite position group yeah. at the combine. And, you know, I wasn't really into offensive linemen when I first started really scouting mm-hmm. or getting into the whole draft Twitter thing. But the Minnesota Vikings love for offensive linemen or lack thereof in 2016 really made me start to deep dive into offensive linemen film. Ever since that point, I've just fallen in love with the whole process of grading and scouting offensive linemen. So this is a really deep interior offensive lineman class, especially at guard. You know, guys like Quentin Nelson, who looked phenomenal at the combine, looked every bit of the elite prospect that he is. Um, Will Hernandez, who looked really good and very fluid. And a guy that's my sleeper that's really caught steam here over the past few months since the senior bowl is Austin Corbett yeah. from Nevada, who looked really good. And I think he's a plug-and-play guy. Uh, now, he played tackle at Nevada, but mm-hmm. he's a bit on the smaller side um, as far as his measurables and his arm length. So I think he's going to have to transition inside to guard or center. But I think he's a guy that can be a day-one starter for a team. Yeah, I can play with you. I mean, this, this interior offensive line class, I know we talked about it last week on the podcast, guys, but... It is loaded. I mean, you, we might have like 9 to 10 starters from the interior offensive line. That's not including, you know, tackles that'll kick inside, uh, late-round gems that we're not even talking about too, like small school guys. So this is a very loaded interior offensive line class, and I'm very excited because the Redskins have one more need on their offensive line, that left guard spot. So hopefully we can find it in this draft. Uh, there's one more guy I want to ask you about, though, is Connor Williams. Ran well, measured a little light, though, short arms. Guard or tackle? See, I'm a guy that's very hesitant. Yeah. shuffling offensive linemen around mm-hmm. because we've all seen that sometimes it can destroy their careers if they don't find that certain position that they need to play and lock into that one position. So, And I'm very hesitant about moving Connor Williams to guard because he's never done it before in his career. So you're drafting a guy that's playing a totally new position as opposed to plugging and playing him at tackle, something he's been playing the past three seasons at Texas when he was there and played at a high level. Yes, I know the length is a bit of a question mark, but I'm going to try him at tackle and let him prove that he can't play that before I move him inside to guard, if that makes sense. No, I completely agree with you, man. Uh, I do think the short arms does a little bit kind of concern me, but again, he's an athletic guy who's played tackle his whole life. I'm not terribly concerned about where he's going to play. Just kind of try him out different positions. I mean, you don't have to force him at one. So, again, it's not a huge deal for me. Uh, let's shift to the other side of the ball now with some more freaks here on the defensive line. Now, on the site that I'm looking at right now on NFL.com, they have edge players and defensive linemen together. So, I'm kind of trying to separate them here. But let's talk defensive linemen first. Darren Payne, I mean, 495, he blew the combine away. I mean, strong guy. We knew he was going to test well, but does it help him in any way, or is this kind of what you expected? 
Yeah, it's pretty much what I what I expected. Now he was a little bit a little bit of stiffness. He showed a little bit of stiffness yeah. on his agility drills as far as on the field stuff. But that's what you saw in this film as well. He's more of a predominantly run stopping guy. He's not a guy that's gonna push the pocket and be a dominating pass rusher uh, up the middle. So his combine performance matched up with the tape, and it was really good to see that. I think he'll end up being a first round guy. Yeah, and then Vita Vea, 41 on the bench. I know everyone wanted him to run under 5. They wanted him around the 4.9s, or I think the over-under was 4.8, but he ran, well, I think it was like a 5.1 or something like that on yeah. here. I can't remember, but, I mean, that doesn't disappoint you at all, right? The 41 bench press, the 5.1, I mean, he isn't. He's a stud. I mean, he's an athlete, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially at his yeah. size, too. <laughs> him being 345 pounds and running a 5.1 is incredible Yeah, to me. He's a guy that's a plug-and-play starter as a three-down front nose tackle. And, I mean, just let him two gap and just let him control the middle of the defense. <laughs> I mean, he's a monster. I love Peter Vail. Yeah, me too, man. And let's talk about two guys who kind of shocked. Now, this is kind of switching a little bit to edge. But Harrison Phillips is one with his bench press. I did not see that coming at all. I know he's a strong guy, but 42, whew, that was super impressive. And then a guy who I've never even heard of. So I don't know if you have heard of him. You've probably done more draft work than me because I've been focusing a lot on the safeties this year. But Ade Aruna out of Tulane, I mean, 4640. I think he jumped out of the gym with like a 38 vertical. I mean, who is this guy? Do you know who he is at all? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I haven't watched any games on him. Now, I have seen his name before, yeah. but it's really hard to find film on him uh, as far as exactly. <laughs> he's at Tulane, correct? Yes, he's a Tulane. I think he's an edge player or defensive. I don't know who he is. Like, I, I saw his name popping up. I was like, oh, cool. Ade Aruna. And then he's just blowing everybody out of the water, man. I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, Tulane had a really good performance at the combine. Now, I did watch some film on the corner that they had. Perry Nickerson yes. ran a 4-3-2. So I've seen film on him, but I've never watched any film on Aruna. So I'm definitely interested to go back and check his film out and see if it matches up with the measurables at the combine. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. And now there's one more guy who stood out who I did not see this coming whatsoever. Sam Hubbard with a 6-8-4-3 cone. I mean, that, that's crazy for a defensive lineman. I mean, he's a 270 guy, right? 260, I mean... Super impressive yeah. for Sam Hubbard. So, I mean, what do you take out of that? I was shocked he came in at 270. Yeah. I didn't think he weighed that much. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, his film, it's not going to stand out as far as, you know, he doesn't have a lot of dominating traits. He just has a lot of things that are just okay. And that's why I think he won't really go in the first round, but I think he's the guy that's going to go at the top of the second round. Now, like I said, his traits aren't very flashy. He doesn't have a dominating trait over another but he is a guy that's going to be very disciplined he's always going to be where he's supposed to be and he's only played 22 games at defensive end so the position is still relatively new to him and I don't want to say he's plateaued a bit but he doesn't have much upside but he's a guy that's going to play a very long time in the NFL because he's very smart and he's very disciplined yeah completely agree there so let's move on to off-ball linebackers now and the number one guy that we have to talk talk about here Shaquem Griffin, 20 on the bench press with one hand, 4-3-8. That was insane for a linebacker. I mean, Shaquem Griffin, where do, where do you take him in this draft? After a monster combine like this, after a great senior bowl, great tape. I mean, he only has one major flaw. I mean, where are you taking him in this draft? Yeah, it's just an incredible story. Yeah. I was completely shocked to see him run that 4-3-8. I don't think anybody expected that but it's just a great story but a lot of people were saying that he's not draftable and I completely disagree that's so with stupid that. I think he's a guy you can take in the fourth or fifth round um, at best because he's going to provide you value on special teams 
uh, as an outside linebacker and as an edge rusher. And he's a guy that really brings a lot of character to mm-hmm. your team. And I'm a big Shaq Griffin fan. I think he brings a lot of value to a team. And I just love his story. But even outside of the story, I think he's a great football player. And that's where a lot of people fail to separate the two. He's not just a feel-good story. He's a great football player as well. Yeah, I will add one thing to that. Uh, when we were, t- a lot of people were talking to him at the con- at the uh, Senior Bowl, my fault, Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, all my guys were down there. I mean, just talking to this guy, he is the nicest dude on the planet. I want this dude to be a superstar in the NFL. I want him to be the greatest all-around player ever. I mean, I I would never root against this guy because I'm telling you, he was he captures a room when he walks in. I mean, when he came in for his press conference, he came after Josh Allen and before uh, Davenport at at the Senior Bowl, and I'm telling you, the whole room was just captured by this guy because he just has this energy has this like I don't, like he just enjoys what he's doing so i mean i'm rooting for this guy like crazy again I, I don't think i would take him before day three just because one i think his weight is an issue especially for a linebacker because i'm not super comfortable playing him at linebacker at that at 227 and also he's a developmental safety so that's one issue and then again I, I know we don't want to talk about it, but not having that hand does limit him in a lot of ways on, uh, you know, on starting defense. But again, as a special teams guy, you can throw a 227, 230-pound, 438 guy as your gunner. I mean, throw him out there as your gunner on your punt team. Throw him out there on uh, kick coverage. He's going to be a star. So I love Shaquem Griffin. If the Redskins took him, you know, even if they took him, actually, we can't take him day two because that would be a second-round pick. So we're not doing that. But, you know, early day three, fourth round, I'm okay with that because, you know, I just want this guy in my locker room. So Shaquem Griffin, great feel-good story, but also a very good football player. Uh, another notable standout, though, Roquan Smith, I mean, did everything we expected, cementing himself as a top-ten player, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing for Roquan Smith was that he came in over six foot. A lot of people were or had questions about him, whether he was 5'11", or was he six foot. I think him meeting that threshold of being over six foot and over 230 pounds was really good for him. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he he was a guy who didn't really need to do much at all for me coming in. Like, you know, I, I know who he is. I know what he is. He he would have, if he came in and tested like a 4'7 athlete, that would have been like, okay, there's an injury or something because he's Roquan Smith. I mean, he, he's a top 10 guy in this draft. He's going to be a great player in the NFL. If there's any, I mean, I don't want to just jinx him by saying there's a super safe player, but he he's a safe player in this draft for sure. Uh, one more standout here. We're going to go to Clemson here. Dorian O'Daniel, linebacker, uh, 6 6 4, uh, 40 time, or uh, three cone time. I mean, and he ran a pretty good 40 as well. I mean, Dorian O'Daniel Daniel's kind of like a safety playing linebacker, but did he stand out at all for you? Yeah, he actually did. He's a guy I've really been sleeping on. Yeah. We know Clemson's defense is always loaded year in and year out, but I really haven't had a chance to get to his film, but I'm really looking forward to doing it. Now, he is a bit undersized mm-hmm. for a linebacker, but I'm really interested interested to see how his film does look because his testing numbers, he performed really well. Let's shift over to corners now. So our last, we're, all, we're in the home stretch here, last two groups here of the defensive backs here. So these were some uber athletes here in this in the cornerback group, but I mean, 4-3-2 is across the board for those guys. Tony Brown, 4-3-5. Anthony Averett, 4-3-6. Jare Alexander, 4-3-8, which that was the biggest shock for me. And Avante Maddox, all 4-3-9. So we had seven guys around our 4-4s. I mean, is this kind of just a testament to what the NFL is becoming? We need our corners to be, like, super athletes to keep up with these receivers? Yeah, I think it is. And that is really a credit to this class. This class is really fast. You talk about guys like Denzel Ward, Jair Alexander, uh, Nickerson. Just the speed overall of this class, we really didn't see that with last year's class, but this 
class is really fast. And now it's a little bit undersized as far as length. You know, you have more of those 5'10 and 5'11 guys, but they make up for it with speed. And a lot of guys at the top of the draft board, they are those smaller corners, but they bring value as nickel corners as well as outside corners. So in case guys don't have that length to play outside, you can always slide guys in the slot like a Denzel Ward or a Jair Alexander or even a Mike Hughes. Uh, yeah. Now, he didn't, Mike Hughes didn't run as well as those other guys, but he does have experience on the outside and in the slot. But I love this cornerback class, and I think it's extreme. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, out of all the corners, though, that ran and, and did all the drills, who do you think improved their stock the most, though? My guy's Jair Alexander, yeah, man. I'm a huge Jair Alexander fan. I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. Uh, I think a lot of people slept on him coming into the combine because we really didn't know what he was because he only played five games this season. Now, his 2016 film was really good. Standout game was against Clemson. He had a really good day against Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams. I think he had two interceptions in that game. Uh, 2007 didn't really get to play a lot because he had some knee issues. He heard it in the first game against Purdue. But if you go back and watch Louisville's defense when he's out there, and when he's not out there, it looks like two completely different units. And that's when you can tell an elite prospect or what an elite prospect is because you see the difference between when they're out there and when they're not. And he's my cornerback number two right now, and I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. Yeah, I agree with you. He actually has been kind of climbing my rankings all year. Every time I watch him, I get more excited. But honestly, in my notes, I wrote, would be Jason Verrett. If he was a little faster, because I didn't think he was going to be a 4-3-8 athlete. I thought he was going to be like a 4-4, like high 4-4s type. And that might have been testament to just kind of how injured he was this year. Because I did hear they were rushing him back a little bit too early. He was kind of dealing with the injuries all year this year. So that probably did play a factor into why I thought he was a little slower on tape. I definitely have watched a lot of 2016 tape, and he did look a lot more explosive and faster. And yeah, Jare Alexander has really climb my rankings. I mean, he might be my quarterback one, cornerback one by the end of this, but I think right now he's sitting firmly at cornerback two as well. Uh, really close to a first-round grade, if not an actual first-round round grade for me. I don't have my rankings right in front of me. But let's talk about the weirdest combine of the entire day, Jordan Thomas. I mean, he ran a 4-6-40, but just shattered the three-cone record. I mean, he ran a 6-2-8. I mean, what, what do we take away from that? Hey, it was just really weird. Wasn't yeah. that like the best three-cone ever? Yeah. No, he broke it by, for for like all time from anybody. It's like the oh, greatest wow. three-cone time ever, and he broke it by like .18 seconds. Something like, like he broke it by a lot. Like it wasn't even close. He blew it out of the water, and but he ran a four six forty. So I don't, I don't know what to make out of that. You know, <laughs> what what do you make out yeah. of that? Yeah, it's really weird. And a lot of people were putting up, you know, the spider charts with him on mock draftable, and saying how he compared to being a receiver as opposed to a corner. Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. Everybody was saying, "I'm moving to receiver." Just you know, just to see his athleticism and let him show his athleticism. But his film isn't really that bad mm-hmm. at corner. Uh, yes, he does have a lot of flaws, but I think a lot of them are correctable. But I think he'd be a nice, you know, probably he's probably a borderline practice squad guy. I think, but I think he would be 
a really nice, you know, guy to have in the stable of corners. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Uh, any other corners really stand out to you? I know Minka Fitzpatrick ran with the corners. He ran a four four six, kind of what I expected, you know, off tape. Uh, anybody else really stand out to you at the cornerback group? In the drills, I really liked what Houghton Hill yeah. showed. Yes. Now he has a bit of red flags with him. There is a bit of a drug issue going on with him. They said there was multiple or reports came out that he did fail multiple drug tests. Yes. But I love his traits. I love his size. Uh, he's your typical man-to-man press corner. I think he brings a lot of value, uh, especially as a tackler. He's a fantastic tackler. A lot of people have been saying maybe he is a safety, uh, but I think he is a corner. He's your long press man corner. Uh, now, the red flags will make him slip a bit, and we don't know how his interviews went, but I think he's a guy that can be a steal probably in that third or fourth round range. Yeah, I agree with you. So let's jump to the very last position group, my favorite position group in the entire draft, the safeties. Now, if I told you, out of all the safeties, there was going to be a guy who tested in the 99th percentile. Would you think it would be Troy Apke out of Penn State? <laughs> no, not at all. I've actually never heard of him before the draft. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've never heard of the guy before the draft. And even Deion, it was funny seeing Deion Sanders react <laughs> to, his, to his combine performance. But it was really good seeing him perform the way he did. But I love what I saw out of Derwin James. I just think he's yeah. a freak of nature. And I think he's going to be a Fantastic, bro. Yeah, Derwin James, I mean, he is outstanding. But I do want to go back on Troy Epke just for a second. He's a guy who uh, actually, when I got up, I got upset when the combine list came out because Trayvon Henderson was a guy who I was really high on at the Senior Bowl when he didn't get invited. And I even tweeted out, I said, how come a guy like whoever the heck Troy Apke is gets invited to the combine, but Trayvon Henderson doesn't? Somebody like you know tweeted with old takes exposed and stuff like that on Twitter, but I mean Troy, Troy Apke. I will say after I tweeted that initially because again I only tweeted out because he was the first letter that came up in the alphabet of the list. Apke was A, so you know first letter. It's the only reason I tweeted that. But he's actually a pretty solid guy. Has some pretty solid tape. My only fear with him is I think he's a Cody Davis type, and I'm not making the white on white comparison just because both guys are white safeties in the NFL. They're both very good athletes. You know, Cody Davis was a 4-4-1 guy at Texas Tech who jumped a 41-inch vertical, very similar to what AFK did here. But they're both just not really impact guys. They're both guys who will be great special teamers, but if you get them in open field and make a tackle, they're going to be a little shy away from it. So I'll let you kind of make your own evaluation on him because I know everyone's going to be going back to his tape after this. But, uh, yeah, Derwin James, great point you made there. I mean, Derwin James is going to be a star in the NFL. I have no problem just dropping him in the box for for 10 years and he'll lock down tight ends and he's the perfect guy for today's NFL you know tight ends are getting quicker they're getting faster like what we saw a lot of Mike Desicki Derwin James is the answer to that so Derwin James really helped his stock uh another guy who I think really helped his stock who uh you know I think a lot of people are really coming around this guy is Jesse Bates he ran a 4-5-0 is what I have here and he looked really good in the drills Uh, I mean baseball background great center fielder do you like Jesse Bates yeah I do uh, he's a guy compared to Justin Simmons from the Broncos yeah, who came out a couple years back. I think their games are very similar. That center field, uh, you know, accuracy eraser or <laughs> mess up eraser from cornerbacks yeah. uh, back at that deep field safety position. Now, I do have some concerns about him coming up and tackling. Mm-hmm. He can be a bit shy from time to time, and it does have a bit of a slight frame. But I think he's a guy you could probably get in the third round, and I think he could be a starter for you. Yeah, completely agree with you there. I mean, I was very uh, pumped to see him run that time because it, it matches up with the film for sure. So very good day from him. And the last guy here, a guy who 
I gotta admit, I was very low on this guy, and it sucks because I'm a Virginia Tech guy. I mean, I am huge on VTM, huge on all their prospects, but this is the one guy I wasn't high on, and he comes out and just jumps out of the gym on the broad jump and the vertical, runs a 4-4-7, Terrell Edmonds, brother of Tremaine Edmonds, who is going to be a top 10 pick. Have you seen any of Terrell Edmonds this year? Yeah, I have, and he actually popped out on the film when I was watching his brother Tremaine. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot. Now, I don't think he'll ever be a high-end starter, but I think he's a guy that can... You know, he. I think he could eventually be a starter, but I think he could be a really good depth piece and a special teams guy for him immediately. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, again, the film, he's a very, very uh, stiff in coverage, if I know how to say, if I can say that correctly. Uh, the three cone didn't show that because apparently he ran pretty well there too, but very stiff in coverage. I saw him line up against um, uh, who, who's the slot receiver for Clemson, the guy who catches all those championship uh, touchdowns. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod. No, no, no. The the guy who caught the touchdown in the championship game. Yes, Ren- Renfro. I saw him line up against Renfro a couple times in that game, and it, it looked like a freshman lining up against a senior who's been there for 10 years. I mean, it, it was bad. So, I mean, I got to go back and watch some of his tape because I did not see the uber athlete that he showed. Uh, last guy here, I know that he's a guy that you mentioned uh, on me and John's podcast like two weeks ago, uh, Armani Watts. He did not really do the greatest, not really had the greatest combine. Three cone was not very great. Uh, 40 time, I don't believe, was even in the top 10 or so. Uh, What's your take on Armani Watts or how he did at the Combine? Yeah, he didn't really have a good day. Uh, I didn't think he would test overly well because he looks a bit stiff mm-hmm. on film. So I thought his athleticism would come into question at the Combine. Uh, I thought he tested a bit more poorly than I thought he would, and he didn't really stand out in drills either. Uh, a bit of that hip stiffness showed up in those drills. Now, he did have good ball skills, which were on display in the drills, but I mean, his his hip stiffness was really bad uh, throughout the day, and it showed in the the testing as well. Yeah, definitely did. I mean, I saw some of that on tape, but again, it wasn't to the extent that I thought it would be here at the Combine, so it's definitely something to go back and review. But that is all we have for today, guys. I mean, we went through every position here. This is the longest podcast to date here on Locked on Redskins, so thank you, JR, for going through this marathon with me here. But uh, last little thing I want to ask you is, how much does the combine affect your rankings? Now, I know a couple guys, again, like I've been joking around about Calvin Ridley on here, you know, they go from wide receiver one, top 10 prospect to how do I even take them day two now after all this? So how much does the combine, uh, like, adjust your rankings at all? It doesn't much. I'm a, I'm a big tape guy, so I use more of the com, uh, the combine to confirm or deny some of the things that I saw yep. on film. Like, I use Nick Chubb for an example. Um, we didn't really get to see him catch on film. And obviously, teams want guys that are three-down backs uh, in the NFL. So I wanted to see if Nick Chubb could catch the ball out of the backfield. Darius Geis was another guy that I wanted to see if he could catch um, coming out of the backfield. So I'm more of a on-the-field drills type of guy as opposed to the actual testing to see or confirm some stuff that I saw on film. So I don't necessarily put a lot of stock into things now if there is speed questions about certain prospects obviously i use the 40 and i weigh the 40 uh, when grading them because that really gives me a barometer exactly how they will or show that speed uh, it doesn't match up to the film so i don't really put a ton of stock into it i really use it to see if it matches up with the things that i saw on film yeah, I completely agree with you there. Again, I'm, I'm very similar as well, as long as guys hit minimum thresholds. If they can't hit minimum thresholds, and, you know, I know a lot of people have different, like, 
thresholds for each position. But again, Orlando Brown, for instance, did not hit any minimum threshold. He went way below it, so it does hurt his grade for me. But overall, again, the combine has not changed much in my grade because the tape is king. I mean, tape tells you almost everything you need to know about these players. I know there's these dominator you know, rankings that come out there from all these statisticians and stuff like that. I mean, again, trust what you see with your eyes when you're watching these guys play because there's so many factors that go into players. Calvin Ridley, again, is a great example. A guy who had Jalen Hurts throwing the ball the most of the year. We know he's not going to produce well. And, you know, he doesn't have to be the greatest athlete. He can run past guys and he runs great routes. That's all we care about when you watch his tape because that's what he's going to be in the NFL. So that's a lot of things to remember when watching the Combine. But again, JR, thank you for coming on, man. This, I know it's a longer episode than normal, but uh, you know, I think we touched everything here on the Combine from each position. Uh, any final words before we call tonight? Thanks, as always, for having me on. I really enjoy coming on here. You can follow me on Twitter at jreedraftscout. That's J-R-E-I-D, draftscout. Also, you can follow my work at climbingthepocket.com. Yeah, guys, go give him a follow on there, please, because... You know, Kirk Cousins might be uh, a Viking here pretty soon. So, you know, I, I know a lot of you guys have been saying that you're going to, you know, jump ship, go wherever Kirk goes, because apparently he's that kind of guy. So, you know. We've got to talk about that another time. Yeah. yeah. No, and I was actually just about to say, no, when, when Kirk Cousins inevitably signs with you guys, you're going to come right back on here, and we're just going to talk Kirk Cousins for an entire podcast. Let's so. do it. <laughs> yep, it would be great, man. It would be great. But, again, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And, guys, go follow JR because – Pretty soon, a lot of you guys are going to be Vikings fans. So, uh, I would call it a night with that. Uh, we'll probably have another guy on uh, later this week here, probably doing some mock draft stuff or breaking down some more positions uh, in this NFL draft. So, be sure to tune in Locked On Redskins. Catch you guys next time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.